welcome to Walk a Mile. I'm Tommy McFly. It's a brand new podcast where we take a mile stroll with interesting people on a route of their choosing. We stepped out on a crisp Friday in January with Senator Mark Warner. Hey, I'm happy to do it. As the Hill was fully engaged in the voting rights fight and Senator Warner was about to head to Richmond for the inauguration of a new governor in Virginia. Before he headed down 95, we got together on South Lee Street in Old Town. Known for beautiful row homes, history, and arguably the region's largest Halloween celebration. We have 3,000 kids this year, and we, you know, we were afraid. Wow. Well, you know, it's like this year was the biggest year. I think everybody was, even though they were still appropriately freaked out about COVID, they were just so anxious to go. And it was a beautiful night. And, it was cool. That's really cool. I, I mean, I didn't know what to expect this year for it. So that's awesome that people still come out and still do it. I started decorating when my kids were little. Mm-hmm. And you know, we still have, we have a side yard. We have spooky music. We have, um, you know, smoke coming out. Uh, I have about five or other, six other people who dress up and scare kids. If we don't <laughs> make a certain number of kids cry, we haven't hit our quota. Um, and people come up and say like, oh, last year I was too scared, but this year I'm going to do it. Although I have to acknowledge, after like two and a half hours of sitting there, and some of the bigger kids come and they want to just grab, um, you know, a whole bunch of candy, there have been times I thought, thought I might punch one of the kids, which would not be a good no, thing. That's terrible. Especially during an election year. Since <laughs> Halloween is always really close to election. That's true. I think the first time I went to your house on Halloween was on election year, and mm-hmm. the, the line was extra long, and I was like, he's going to be yeah. fine. Well, at least I'm going to be ill. Uh, people can't say they can get something free from a politician. There you they go. Candy. Oh, it's funny because like when we had done this in the past, there were some neighbors who love it and some neighbors who hate it. And I, I, I think about you on the end of the street. I'm like, does he get into the fray on this? It's such a local issue. Well, yeah, I'm. My kids, you know, grew up and moved away, and I'm still stuck with Halloween. But it's cool. <laughs> so as we get started, like just some quick hits. Like, what have you been doing? Because we're outside so much more. Do you have new outside activities? I am. I have always been a, a road biker. And I've done a lot of that during, uh, um, you know, during COVID. Although probably my most interesting new biking partner uh, was Steve Mnuchin, oh, Trump's no Treasury Secretary. Yeah, it was kind of. I would have never thought that we would have hit off as friends. We we did some stuff together on like the COVID relief packages, and we both knew we were, you know, like biking, and so we did a lot of. But no, not so much this past year since he's been, you know, <laughs> yeah, not here anymore. But I haven't been able to, like, you know, convince Janet Yellen that she ought to take his place as my biking partner. I think she's probably got some speed. Mm-hmm. When you hear about those bipartisan stories, they're so heartening because there just seems to be so much, like, chaos these days. How does that come about? Are you two, like, negotiating COVID relief? And he's like, you know, I love to cycle, too. What well, do you ride? Schwinn a trek? I, I ride a, a trek. Schwinn, come on, man. I'm, I'm a serious biker. <laughs> so, uh, um you know, we, you just kind of hit off. There's a lot more. I think the House is wacky no matter who's in, in charge. But on the Senate, there's probably 75 of us that actually like each other. Huh. And I know, I know we're just having a casual walk here. But I could guarantee if you gave a, a secret poll, there would be absolutely bipartisan agreement amongst who the uh, five least popular senators are. Oh, okay. Which, of course, since I'm chairman of the Intelligence Committee, I couldn't, cannot reveal. That's true. Is that classified? Totally classified. So, are we walking at the pace now that you walk when you're late for a vote, or is I'm this pretty, like your yeah, this is, no, this is more my, 
like I'm, I'm not a big leisure walker, so I mean, it's a little bit. You got to keep a pace up. Mm -hmm. You're crossing over Duke already. You're almost at King Street. Got to, yeah. That's one of the cool. The, one of the reasons I love living in Old Town. I've lived here since I've been uh, lived in Virginia and you know, lived in my house since '92. Is that you know you to, you know quote Sarah Palin. I can see the capital from the third floor of my house. And I think that's the exact quote, actually. It is. Like, you know, you got Russia or the capital, kind of the Although same Although, I don't thing. know. That maybe, you know what? I was going to say she'll never see the capital from her house. I know. I, I don't I, want to yeah. say that because yeah, you and never I, know. And I'm not sure of making a Sarah Palin reference anymore to your audience. Only a third will probably understand who that was. That, Thank goodness. You know, time marches on. Time marches say. on. But it seems like, like, a, like a more quaint time, doesn't it? It does seem like a more quaint. <laughs> but Old Town, you know, you got neighbors, you got friends, you know. My kids grew up here. You can walk to stuff. You got dogs. You got dogs. But as you said, you can, I can be on the hill in 20 minutes. I love the fact of how they've redone the waterfront now. It's gorgeous. For years and years it. and years. We'll walk down there. For years and years, it was you know, a row of kind of nasty warehouse buildings, including a place that for about 30 to 40 years, and considering the fact that Old Town's pretty liberal and everything, had a warehouse that had the biggest arms dealer, I think in America, at least on the East Coast. Really? Where he would buy up guns. There was a great story about him. We can't remember his name. Like buy a legal up, arms dealer? No, or not like a... legal. He would okay. buy up guns from like the Czech Republic and Romania and Norway, and then he would end up reselling them, I think sometimes to third world countries. Wow. And, but there was a whole ware row of warehouses up here. Not very attractive. Um, <laughs> and now and, there's a wine bar and a barge. And now there's a wine bar and a barge. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, probably serving caramel macchiatos and, uh, you know, and, and uh, champagne spritzes or something. The guy's name was Sam Cummings. He died in 1998. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a great article from Alexandria Living Magazine that chronicles the whole saga of interarms. At this point, Senator Warner and I are on Prince Street. You've probably seen it on Instagram. Influencers love a good cobblestone street. I love Old Town. It's, um, uh, and I finally made it this year. Uh, I finally got asked after being a governor and a senator for 12 years to be the Grand Marshal of the Scottish Walk Parade. That hasn't happened yet? I kept thinking, like, who did I make a piss off that, uh, you know... <laughs> But uh, and maybe they assumed you'd already done it. Well, they had my, my predecessor and dear, dear friend, um, John Warner, the former yes. senator, he did it two or three times. And I actually, he, and he unfortunately passed away last year. I was proud to speak at his funeral. But um, my wife and I, Lisa, asked his wife, Jeannie, to march in the parade with us. So we kept doing oh, that as a kind of. That's so cool. And she definitely still knows lots of people in Old Town. Yeah, that's really cool. He was such an incredible man. I never met him, but just when he passed, like, it, it seems like when people pass, that's when you hear the stories you should be telling about them when they're still alive. Well, I have so much respect for him and the fact that you know, I ran against it in mm -hmm. 1996. And for, again, for most of the audience, you know, my name being Mark Warner, his name being John Warner. How Warner confusing versus, was that before well, Facebook? Literally, we had a, honest to God, we had a bumper strip that said, Mark, not John. And in Southern Virginia, people asked whether that was a biblical reference. Um, <laughs> there was no divine intervention. I got second place in that race, but I got really close. And we'll go down here and then come back Sounds around. Great. Waterfront um, Park is beautiful. Yeah. I thought, you know, I might still stay engaged and 
thinking about running for governor and you know, tried to kind of befriend John Warner. And he was incredibly gracious. Uh, he and I, even though we'd run against each other, we became dear friends. And I realized that was totally his doing. I mean, like, you know, now that I'm like kind of an old politician, mm-hmm. the idea of being willing to kind of befriend somebody who ran against you and yeah, yeah. No, I, I always treat him with respect. I never said anything bad about him. Uh, but it was a sign of his character. And when I was governor, every big thing I tried to do, he helped. And then he, you know, he was a long, lifelong Republican, but endorsed me for re-election. And I would that go was see like, him. That was like seismic when that happened. It, well, it was. It, well, it was very cool. It was a moment in time, but all the risks were things that he took. And you know, yeah. after he, after he, um, you know, left the Senate, um, I would go try to see him. You know, he lives lived up in Bellhaven. You know, every couple of months just to get advice and yeah. he had great, great advice. Is there a lot of that, like people going to the, the, the formers and people who have retired and moved on for advice? There's some of that. I mean, there, there used to be so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last night, uh, not exactly been a great week for the, um, for the Democrats considering voting rights and, yeah. you know, the uh, Supreme Court and just a series of things. Um, but I, you know, as, as the guy that lives local, and um, since I had some success as a business guy, took nine senators out, kind of spur of the moment. And I think that used to happen a lot. Yeah. And, you know, anymore, it doesn't. Um, you know, I, I actually put together these dinners with the Republicans regular times, too. Because I think if we can, if you get to know each other, and you have mm-hmm. this kind of conversation, you know, talk about kids, talk about what movies you've seen, what kind of food you like, have a glass of wine or two. It's really hard the next day to get in and say, get in their face and say, you must be that SOB and all this. You know. <laughs> well, can, I, can we talk about the Senate? Mm-hmm. As like an American, as a civilian, you're looking at this and you're like, what is happening over there? There's a lot of stuff that is working, but we, don't, we have a, our press and particularly you know, press on the extremes. All they want to talk about is conflict. So if you kind of look at last year where, um, you know, for 50 years we've been talking about doing a infrastructure bill, you know, roads, bridges, broadband. Um, we got 69 votes out of the Senate on that. It was That's the great. biggest investment in infrastructure in 50 years. We, we look at, you know, some of the supply chain problems we got right now on things like semiconductors. Um, you know, China's really coming on. We need to kind of up our game. We got 68 votes on a bill that would make... $52 billion investment in semiconductor. Now, the House has been a little wacky and not gotten it through. Um, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm really proud of the Intelligence Committee, which I chair. I've got people from the far left to the far right on it. You know, we unanimously passed an intelligence authorization bill. We're working hard on trying to, you know, make sure we provide Ukraine all it needs uh, vis-a-vis Russia. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on and when something passes with bipartisan, it doesn't get any attention. Right. Uh, now, it's, you know, in some of the... It's like people never report about the planes that land safely. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Should there be more bipartisanship? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the, the thing that I think, the case I make for bipartisanship is not that if the bill's bipartisan, it's, you know, intellectually better. But most Americans 
you know, they'd much rather talk about film, food, family. You know, they have, they spend about you know, half an hour a week on politics. And if you hear, as a normal American, well, both teams are supporting a bill, you kind of think, well, maybe it's in the country's interest, right. not a partisan's. Right. And frankly, yeah, I'm going to reveal a really big secret here. Good lead up. Good lead up, but Congress never gets the issue completely right. Of course, business never gets the issue. I was a business guy for a long yeah. time. So if you have both teams invested in an imperfect solution, when you realize you got to come back and fix it mm-hmm. a few years later, both teams have to fix it. And that's why things like, you know, the programs that Americans love the most, Social Security, Medicare, Congress never got it right at first. They had to come back and refine it, refine it, refine it. Same way I used to be a venture capitalist, started a lot of businesses. I never invested in a a startup company that ever met its business plan. The ones that were successful knew how to adjust. And somehow we've, I think we have um, really undermined, by not having more bipartisan bills, the ability to, frankly, come back and fix. Right. Because you know, and, and, not everyone's invested in it. it was, oh, yeah, that so was like, yours, not, that was yeah, yeah, that was like, wow, I told you you're going to screw up. Mm-hmm. You know, and the case, two, I think, classic examples of that were, you know, Obamacare, which had some good stuff, but needed some stuff to get fixed. Or the Trump tax cuts, which had some good tax cuts, but some things that got really wacky. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I, I joke sometimes, but you know, in the Senate, whenever there's a bipartisan group that comes together, they're always called the gang of this or gang of that. Right. So I, I work in the only place in America where being a gang member is a good thing. Look at that. There you go. Because you're in the gang of eight, the gang of six. Yeah, I'm the in gang all the gangs. I'm two. in all the gangs, you know. <laughs> Do you have a gang sign in the Gang of Angels? I got it now. That's, sorry, getting into classified stuff. That's true. I guess you couldn't tell me. You had to kill me. Yeah. So you were talking about being governor before. Tim Kaine's been governor. Mm-hmm. Terry McAuliffe was governor. Everyone loves being governor. Why is being governor of Virginia just such a sought-after thing? Because, Tommy, when you are governor of Virginia, and we are the only state in the country that still has a one-term governorship, mm-hmm. your title is not governor. The way you were introduced... When I was governor, I was always introduced as, ladies and gentlemen, we now present the 69th governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, His Excellency Mark R. Warner. Oh. And everybody has to stand up when you come into the room. Wait a minute, really? My wife and daughters never stood up. <laughs> but being called Your Excellency every time? Huh. Now, you know, McAuliffe and Kane and Northerman, Bob McDonald, they didn't get off on the Excellency stuff as like, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a perk of the gig. I'm going to move to Virginia you now. Should, well, I'm, you should move. Well, I am actually. Start my grassroots campaign to be your excellency. I am. The reason I'm going down to uh, Richmond today is, um, you know, we're going to go. I'm going to go to the inauguration of Glenn Youngkin tomorrow, the, the, the new governor. Very John Warner of you. Listen, I knew Glenn, the governor, uh, and I think it's. His excellency. One, well, the, one of the things I told Glenn, told everybody, you know, when you become the governor, I think more than a senator, you know, the closest equivalent, obviously, of being president because you are chief executive. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not. I made it a position. Even my closest friends, for those four years, said, "My name's not Mark anymore. My name's Governor." Yeah. And and it's it's because you know you are in certain ways kind of the embodiment of the Commonwealth. I mean, when, hey, how are you? one of the, one of the things that really hit me on that, I remember when I was. First couple of weeks of being governor, there was a bad flood down in far southwest Virginia, a little town called Hurley. And I went down, actually took uh, then Senator George Allen with me. 
and we were down there helping, you know, and being there helping deliver packages didn't, you know, wasn't anything significant of, of our actual help, but the fact that you had a governor or center show up in a town that had not seen a governor probably in 50 years, right? you know, you, you really do. You, you carry this embodiment of, of, you know, people want to trust you, they want to, you know, rely on you when chips are down. I remember the hardest days probably of being governor was the 21 days when we had the snipers. Right. And, you know, we didn't know who, who they were and what to do. And, you know, I f thought it was really important to continue my routines, still marching parades and stuff. But it was, um, you know, so being governor, um, you, know, you, you kind of get to drive the bus. You may screw up. You may not get things done, but you, you get to drive the bus. You know, being the senator, you, you maybe get to be a front seat driver, but you don't have the hands on the wheel <laughs> right. all the time. Someone else is working the pedals. Someone else is working the pedals. Yeah. doing the steering I want, you know, Glenn Youngkin to succeed. Um, and I think we've had, in Virginia, it doesn't matter which team they've been on, I think we've had really good governors. How do we get to that, though? Like, is it just finding better people to, to serve that are, like... I, I don't know once about... Once you fun. get elected, you're, like, the embodiment of that position. Well, and at least for a while. Yeah, I, and I think there's a difference, you know... As governor, you got to make the decisions real time. Mm -hmm. I always thought, like, and I say this, you know, and I've grown to really like this job, Senator, and I hope I'm getting a little better at it. But, you know, I always thought governors have to make the decisions or presidents have to make the decision. Senators get to wait till Sunday and then Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, I think this guy or that guy did that wrong or this wrong. And I, I do think it is, I don't know how we get, uh, you said better people. I think we've, generally speaking, people go into politics, do it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of good people who go in then get out for two reasons. One, I got a 20-minute commute. Right. Uh, my buddy John Tester from Montana has an 11-hour commute, two yeah. flights and a two-hour drive when he lands in Montana. Wow. And if you've got to schlep back and forth every week, and that's really hard. And if you don't have the means... You know, you've got to maintain a house here. Mm -hmm. You've got a you know, house at home. And people will say, well, you know, wonder that you guys make you know, $185,000, $190,000. That's a lot more than the most. That is absolutely true. But two households, being away from your family a bunch of the time, and obviously the kind of bitter, not just partisan. In many ways, some of the bitterest stuff are now the internal primaries right. that take place. And, you know, primaries are wild. Yeah, like just, you know, like both teams have um, this kind of, you know, if you're not 100% pure, we're going to, mm -hmm. you know, fry you. It's yeah. just, it's just, uh, that drives away rational people. I think when you ask a politician or someone, right, what have you got done? Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially, again, governor center, you got to say, Here's what I produced or didn't produce. A whole bunch of people that I work with in the Senate, if you ask them what they've done, they can tell you what they've stopped or what they're against. Right. What are you so for? Lot, yeah, what are you for? I mm -hmm. mean, and being for something probably means you got to be for something that may only be 60, 70, 80%, or maybe even 50% of what you want. Mm -hmm. It's the great enemy of the good situation. Yeah, it, and, it's, and it's, it's wild. For your listening audience, they should... 
get their samples down, especially as the springs comes. Mm -hmm. We're in this area that used to be series of warehouses that were gun runners. And now we've got great residential housing. Ada's on the river, Barca as cool uh, outdoor and uh, you know water views as anywhere in the DMV. So. This is really cool. Ada, Ada's on the river is fantastic. Yeah. Get to Old Town, spend a lot of money. <laughs> Perfect. So you've seen like every nook and cranny of Virginia over your runs and over Many your times. What are the like hidden gems that people in Northern Virginia might not know about well, Virginia they should go check out? Yeah, many folks in Northern Virginia have probably gone to the Shenandoah, you know, Shenandoah Forest, uh, Shenandoah Williamsburg, Park, Williamsburg. You know, Norfolk, but I, yeah, the, the gems, I think, going to far southwest Virginia, mm -hmm. you know, places like Grundy and Abingdon and Scott County and Dickinson County, you've got incredible mountains. You've got the best, you know, rapids, uh, whitewater rafting, class five rapids, where they open up a portion of what's called the Russell Fork River um, for September and October. Right? They've got great music. I'm a big fan of bluegrass. Um, Ralph Stanley's home was down there. So far southwest Virginia. I also think what's really cool is uh, the eastern shore of Virginia. You know, folks on the eastern shore, you kind of look at a map of Virginia and folks on the eastern shore, that's the portion. If you've been to, um, you know, the beaches in Maryland, mm -hmm. And then you know you go further south. It's where like Yorktown connects, right? Well, it doesn't connect. You got to okay. go. You got to go through the bridge tunnel from Virginia right. Beach. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, there's, but it, it doesn't touch the rest of Virginia, mm -hmm. and you know sometimes maps of Virginia, if they don't include the Eastern Shore, people get really totally. That that's a way totally to get in a primary. Yeah. That's for sure. I love it. It's a it's a great place and lots and lots to explore, and who could go wrong with a place that uh, I think now, fifty years ago, sixty years ago came up with a state slope and saying, Virginia's for lovers. I mean, my goodness, that was marketing gold. And it's still ticking, it's mm -hmm. still there. Still ticking. Where, where do you love to go when you're out in Old Town? I, I like going to these places mm -hmm. on the river. I, you know, there's an old Italian place on King Street Landini's mm -hmm. that uh, is still- Delicious spot, totally. Go to. Um, I invested, I've invested in a bunch of restaurants almost all unsuccessfully, but there's one that's still um, uh, up on King Street called The Majestic that um, I still got a, a piece of. Well, you seem to be a restaurant guy. I saw you out with Senator Klobuchar. You're talking about the dinner, you're getting everyone together. Yep. I've seen you out with, you know, the photo of you and Steve Mnuchin. Who, who, is, who is your, like, dream dinner table to get people around a six top to have, a, like, a bipartisan uh, show? Great question. All right, I would put at that table, put my friend Rob Portman, I'd put Mitt Romney, I'd put Susan Collins, I would put, uh, you know, just spice it up, Joe Manchin. There you and go. I'd, let me make sure I kind of balance that out with a couple of uh, my more progressive Democratic friends. You know, I'd put Brian Schatz, who is Senator from Hawaii, and I'd, I'd probably put, uh, you know, Sheldon Whitehouse, who's probably got the most, you know, thoughtful views on the challenges around climate of anybody in the Senate. Yeah, it's a great team. And I hope. Uh, Where are you going? What kind of food? Well, first of all, I, I want to say, can't say on the record, on the record that there are <laughs> another fifty senators I'd love to have that table Perfect. too. Okay, so. we'll have a banquet <laughs> once COVID restrictions get lifted. Where would I go? I, I would, go, of course, go in Virginia. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. So you're you're going to have Senator Manchin at your your bipartisan meal. What can you tell us about him as a human? Because, you know, he's another one who's just like... 
him. We only know what cable news tells us about him. You know, Joe and I were governors together, and he always felt like I had conned him into coming to the Senate. His, when Senator Byrd died, he actually appointed himself, and um, you know, he, like me, have been frustrated at times because we're more used to kind of how do you get to yes as opposed to, and of course, he's not been very good about getting the yes recently. Uh, but, <laughs> Those you know, are your words. <laughs> yeah. But he and he and Gail and my wife Lisa and I are, are great friends. Um, you know, I don't agree with him on anything, but you know, a lot of things. I really wish he'd get the yes on voting rights, and I still think there may be a chance to do the second half of the president's economic agenda. But, you know, I don't ever question his you know, desire to try to do the right thing for the country. And, you know, and I think as long as people have that kind of incentive, you know, I can work with anybody. Senator Warren, thank you for your time. Your card is pulled up. Safe travels to Richmond. And just, hey, pray, I just hope and pray that either going down or coming back, I don't have the Tim Kaine experience. That guy, oh my goodness. He was the only, this is the, Tim is, Tim and I met each other in law school, you know, 42 years ago. Um, he is the nicest, most heartfelt he is, you know, we've been friends all these years. He was my lieutenant governor. Uh, but I have to say he sometimes is frustrating to work with because I've never met somebody who is as relentlessly optimistic <laughs> and constantly in a good mood. Man, if I'd been in that car for 27 hours, my, my, my staff said we would have had to send in a squat team, you know, for an extraction. But um, he, he's a great guy. I'm going to be with him tonight. So, Tommy, thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Senator. Thanks for walking a mile with us. If you like the podcast, please share it. That is the best thing you can do for podcasts, hitting the share button. If you like the idea of walk a mile, follow, subscribe, because we've got a bunch of unique interesting, inspiring guests coming up in season one. Before we go, a quick shout out to Patricia Anderson, Christine Caludas Jimenez, and Regine Joyce for help on this episode. Walk a Mile is produced by Real Fun Content. I'm Tommy McFly. Thank you so much for listening.